That's orgasmic. You are joined by your host Emily Duncan, and today I am joined with Dr. Nicole Williams, who is a board certified gynecologic surgeon and founder of the Gynecology Institute of Chicago. So, welcome to That's Orgasmic. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you, Emily. It's orgasmic to be with you. So, we're here to talk about how to care for your vulva today, which I'm so excited about. I haven't really touched on it on here before. Are we able to start with like the common like mistakes and misconceptions and I guess like myths that people have associated with caring for their vulva? So, Emily, I get this question a lot from my patients in my practice. And I think that we overthink our vulvae and our vaginas because it's a hidden part of our bodies. It's not like it's your nose where it's kind of like right there and you kind of see it. If you're gonna get a zip, it's like, boom, right there, you can see it. But with the vagina, it's all tucked in. So you really can't see it enough to understand and feel at home with this part of your anatomy because it's just not as easy to access. So what I think the biggest myth is we do too much to our vulvae. When, when we're healthy, our vaginas and our vulvae are generally healthy as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of pressure on, I think, through such like media and honestly, like the patriarchy of how <laughs> the vulva should be and how it should smell and how it should look and everything. And it's very hard to navigate, especially when I guess it is kind of people think it's hidden and hard to see and a lot of people are scared to look at it and feel it and see, you know, how it is. Do you have any tips actually for like maybe becoming more comfortable with your vulva to like be able to, I guess, kind of see it and understand it a bit better? Absolutely. The first thing you should do is just stick a mirror down there and have a look and go systematically. As I write in my book, This Is How You Vagina, in one of the first few chapters, the thing to do is to stick a mirror and go from the outside in. So we're going from our labia majora to labia minora, clitoris. Um, then you're talking about the intratus, that's the actual entry point into the vagina, the perineum, and even the anus. So this, these are all the things that you should be able to see. You stick a mirror down there, or if you want to squat, over a mirror, that works just as well too, depends. And, and then just spread the labia open, have a look, become comfortable with what you look like at your normal. So then if something changes, then you can bring it to the attention of your practitioner. It's almost like doing a clinical breast exam every so often. You don't have to do it every month. Again, the guidelines are now saying, but checking it out every so often, oh, you know, Still the same as what it was before. Fantastic. Keep moving on with life. So I think when it comes to caring for vulvas, there's a lot of, as I said before, hype about how it should like smell and everything like that. So there's obviously feminine hygiene products like washes and everything. Should one, we be using the ones that are like targeted for this and like how should we like, I guess, clean our, our vulvas? So 
it has always been my opinion that there is a tax on being female, being born a cisgendered female human being. Not only from the tampon tax, where feminine hygiene products, which are basically a necessity of life for most women anywhere between the ages of 12 and 50, all the way to selling women products with a premium price to somehow detoxify your already completely non-toxic vagina slash vulvae complex. And this has always been what I've been preaching to everybody I talk to, including my patients. Please, before you decide to purchase anything that you're going to think is going to improve your already wonderful vagina, show it to your practitioner. To say, hey, you know, I bought this product. What do you think? So when it comes to the basics, we're talking basic vulval hygiene. You need about three things, soap, water, and sunshine. Very easy things. Now, the soap part is doesn't have to be in uh, um, some kind of special soap that you pay, you know, $38 for. You can just use ivory or dove or some other bar soap with minimal ingredients. Why that? Why bar soap? First of all, um, I'm still amazed that all these companies have gotten us to pay for water because that's all shower gel is, is water and bar soap. And they just mix it up together and they put in a bigger container and then make you pay more money for actually less soap. So bar soap, cheap, lasts a really long time and it works incredibly well. Water, not just water to the external vulva. I'm talking about drinking water. Most of the time when my patients come complaining of itching or burning or, or discharge or some other thing, I go, oh, how's your hydration? And they're like, oh, I had a Diet Coke. Well, that's not hydration. So water, water, water. Your discharge should be nice and clear. It might have a little smell to it, usually a little bit tangy, and that's okay. And now, so we got soap. We got water and then we get sunshine. And I say sunshine meaning don't stifle her with leggings, thongs, um, otherwise, you know, very, very snug fitting clothes for extended periods of time. It's fine to do if you're running out, if you're going to have a workout or something like that, but make sure to take those kind of things off because the vagina is an, what we call an aerobic environment, like aerobic exercise. It likes oxygen. So if you're depriving your vagina and vulva complex of oxygen, then yeah, it's going to get irritated. So soap, water, and sunshine, simply put. I think that's the sunshine part too. I think a lot of, um, I know like a lot of younger women are even too scared to like, you know, not have their underwear on apart from in the shower, like to sleep without underwear or stuff like that. Like it's like, oh my God, no, I always need to have the underwear on. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great idea. Like just letting it breathe. Oh my God. My ex-husband called them pussy covers. <laughs> it's like no I don't always need a pussy cover on thank you a pussy does not need to be covered sometimes oh and when I sit if you see me sitting I, I sit with my legs not crossed mm-hmm. I leave leave a little space I actually manspread more than men do because I know that my vagina is going to need some oxygen and of course no sleeping in underwear it might feel weird at first but you're going to feel so much more you know, I hate to say the word fresh, but by using the oxygen that you already have, yes, your vagina is going to be healthier. 
than if you kept underwear on basically all the time or wore like a panty liner every day. This goes back, Emily, to that patriarchal thing that we were talking about, making us feel that somehow everything that we have is diseased or untoward or mysterious or disgusting. And then we spend money to make it feel somehow better. But it, I tell my patients all the time, it's not your fault because this has been going on for years and years and years. So in my book, there is a section that talks about vaginal odor. And there was an ad in a magazine. I think it was McCall's magazine, one of those. It's been around since forever. From the 1950s, it showed this woman who looked very sad and despondent. And her husband in the background, well, husband, of course, is the 50s. Everybody had a husband. Was walking out the door looking like, ugh. And the caption was, why does she spend the evenings alone? And the product they were trying to sell was Lysol. That's ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? So, yeah. So this is nothing new under the sun. And this is why we need to have discussions just like this to free ourselves from the patriarchal bonds of spending money for something that we don't need to spend money on. I say, buy stock instead. Buy stock in Lysol. That would be better. Instead of buying Summer's Eve or some other something that has been marketed to us to make us our vaginas somehow, you know, detoxified. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it's crazy. And I think it's one of those things when it's been just so normalized for so many years, it's very hard to go against that unless you've been provided information or something like this where, you know, it's put on you to th actually think about why you do the things that you currently do. And I guess with like the detoxification would probably lead into like douching, which is something that... I don't think I, I don't necessarily hear, I guess, in my circles, people doing as much. Um, but obviously, it's Good. still, I think, important to talk about. Are you able to explain maybe quickly what it is in case someone doesn't know? And should we be doing this? <laughs> um, so, no, we shouldn't be douching. But what douching was, well, douche is, of course, the French word meaning to shower. Yes, we should shower if we're talking about the, the French word, but no, we should not douche, meaning put a combination of, it depends on what they put. Usually it's something like vinegar or peroxide or some other kind of fragrances in this little bottles, kind of like, um, and then it has a little turkey baster thing on the end of the bottle, almost like maybe a little baby bottle. And then you're supposed to squirt that into your vagina and that's supposed to clean it out. But what that actually does is detrimental to the vagina because we have bacteria in our vaginas that are helpful, just like we have bacteria in our mouths, which help with, you know, digesting food all the way through our GI tract to kind of help to regulate everything. Same thing in our vaginas. The main bacteria is the lactobacillus species. So when you douche, you kill the bacteria. Lactobacillus mobilunkus, Gardnerella, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Problem being is that Lactobacillus is very persnickety. So what happens when the bacteria start to grow back, 
the bad ones grow back. And that's when you get older, more malevolent discharge because you just killed all the good bacteria. Then you end up in a vicious circle. You kill the, all the bacteria, so the bad bacteria grow, and then you get a smell or a discharge or, or discomfort. Then you douche again because you think that, that I need to treat that. And it just keeps going and going and going. So yeah, please, no, no douching ever. Yeah, no, I can see how it would, yeah, it'd be a vicious cycle, very vicious cycle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, people have done some very strange things to their vaginas throughout history and even today, so. Yeah, no, I That's why imagine. we're here to talk about it. Yeah. Now, I think a bit more of a controversial um, topic, which is pubic hair, <laughs> because I know a lot, there's throughout history, all different styles, how we should go about it. Obviously, yeah. recently, like the whole Brazilians, like what's coming so like nothing is, nothing is best. <laughs> um, so I guess just like pubic hair, if we talk about maybe its purpose and function, maybe then so people can understand it more and then like, should, like why... I, like, should we remove it? Aren't we, I guess, when it's there, shouldn't we be, like, not not messing with it? Um, I think that the removal of pubic hair is akin to just shaving your head bald. It is seriously just like that because hair is there for a reason. It, it makes us attractive. And if you look at certain cultures, there are certain cultures where having healthy pubic hair is actually an attractive thing. The way that we came up with the whole, we have to be bald headed down there and look like, you know, we just got out of puberty came, it kind of, it literally waxed and waned throughout history. So the Romans would like remove all the hair or burn all the hair. Egyptians learned how to wax. They would wax basically everything except for their heads. Sometimes brows too, if you look at some of their, um, their hieroglyphics, Then it went to the Victorian ages where uh, Queen Victoria would take all the hair off her eyebrows, but leave all the hair down below. And it just kind of went back and forth. There's always some kind of controversy about pubic hair to do or not to do. And for me, there shouldn't be all that much controversy about it. You do what you like, first of all. If you like it there, great. If you don't like it there, think about why don't you like it there? Is it because you feel as if it's cleaner without hair, then if so, then maybe rethink your reasoning. Or if you want to just wear some kind of bikini type thing that goes all the way up and sum up your butt, then sure. You don't want to have any curlies kind of peeking through, which is fun. But the reason behind having the hair there is, especially on top, on the mons, it's an extra little cushion. And by actually manipulating those hairs, it can actually be pleasurable. Additionally, the hairs can help to save our signature scent, especially if we're talking about down below. So on top it's cushion, down below it helps to save our signature scent. Now, meaning when a person, another human decides to nuzzle their face in that area, they drink in your signature scent. If you're bald vaginaed, your vulva is totally bald and it's just like the regular skin, then it's not going to smell like anything. And we know that memory and smell are actually the two most intertwined things. Like you can remember what it smelled like when you, like Christmas and when they were 
making figgy pudding or whatever. It was wonderful. You remember that it takes you literally back to that place. So the smell that you have, your own particular signature scent, held in where the little hair follicles are way down at the bottom, help to bond you with your lover. No hair there. I mean, you may as well just be any other old ball vagina and not even be that interesting. And then they're just going to get up and be like, oh, okay, that was fine. Whatever. They won't remember anything about you. And so that is why we actually do want to keep some hair down there. As I talk about in This Is How You Vagina, one way to kind of get around that is maybe keep it like a buzz cut, like a, a military recruit, just kind of very low. And then you still have something to stroke, which is very nice. It's soft, it's pleasant, and it helps to hold your signature scent because the signature scent is at the bottom where the follicles are. So it doesn't have to be all long where you can braid it and nobody can braid it because nobody's manual dexterity is that good. But it doesn't have to be super long, but it just should be there. Sorry, long story long. Yeah, no, that's really interesting though because, you know, you're talking about the signature scent and that's something that so many women fear. <laughs> like having that having that scent, that was like, I can imagine some people listening probably like, oh my God, no, <laughs> like, I don't, because obviously they're so like, you know, fearful of that, having a smell or anything. But it's also interesting because I think we forget that we are, I guess, like animals too. And we do have these like, you know, animalistic things where you do have scents and things that attract you in that you're not even probably conscious of. So it's really interesting to hear about that. Mm-hmm. And I talk to my patients about like, if you're um, a cisgender female who is having sex with a cisgendered male, isn't it like super sexy? Like when he comes back from the gym and he's kind of sweaty. Yeah. And I've even found um, even like that after sex, that sweaty kind of smell, but it's like, it, there's that, that scent that kind of like draws you in a bit. It's not like walking past someone on the street and you're like, oh, that's disgusting. It's just different. And, it, and it's actually, it's a good one. It helps to bond you together. So, you know, mixing chemistries and bringing everything together in this kind of like crazy, we are, you're right. We are still animals and we are sexual beings and all of these things work together to help kind of further the species because people got to do it in order to make more people. Yeah, exactly. So we've talked a bit about, I guess, what we shouldn't really do apart from the three things we should. Is there anything else that we should do when caring for our vulva or other things to like look out for? Um, yeah, so one thing to kind of avoid is any like those little scrubbers. People use like loofah or those shower scrunchies that you can get at, you know, the, the stores, those little ones, little scrunchy like so. You don't want to use too much of an abrasive kind of things on the vulva. Um, also, you know, you don't want to do like a vajayshal or anything where they're going to, you know, not only steam, but they're going to exfoliate. And those kind of things should be avoided if you can. Things that we should do in addition to soap, water, and sunshine is I actually add, it kind of depends on, and if you're already at baseline healthy, that's fine. I talk to my patients about just having a healthy overall diet and then just add a basic probiotic, just a basic one, especially if your gut's kind of a little off anyway, then a probiotic that you can find on the shelf at the store will suffice. So 
in addition to drinking water and just promoting your own overall health, getting good exercises, getting your pheromones going, getting your endorphins going. This is all because for me, vaginal health is a reflection of overall health. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any like common things that we should look out for, I guess, if we're like, oh, we need to go seek a professional um, if, if something's you know happening that's not quite right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when I when you read This Is How You Vagina, you kind of go through the different chapters and we talk about bloody vaginas, smelly vaginas, something's on my vagina, anything like that. So as we already know, we've already had a look. We know what our particular vulvae look like. So any change from that. Now, you might have a mole or two. Like, you know, I have a mole right here on my little face. It's been there since I was 13. So that's fine. And if you have a mole down there, you know, if you're a little bit concerned, just make sure it's okay, but look for any change. So we're gonna check her out every once in a while. It does, you don't have to be fastidious, just like doing a breast exam. You just have a look every so often. Now, if the smell does change and it, it's kind of, and it stays with you and it's a lot stronger than what it was and you haven't taken a new lover or anything like that, because if you take a new lover, sometimes your smell will actually change depending on who you're sleeping with because your body chemistries have combined and your bacteria have combined, so that's gonna change. But if you haven't, and the smell is a lot stronger than what you're accustomed to, then that could be a, con a condition called vaginosis or vaginitis. That's something to check out. If the itching is a heck of a lot more than just a, you know, like I go like this for my nose or, you know, oh goodness, that itches, and then you're done and it doesn't itch anymore, that's generally fine. You know, you can, you know, vaginas itch too. So if you got a scratch, it's okay. But if it's kind of indolent, if it's still there, you're like, oh, or wakes you up from sleep at night. Absolutely. So we're talking about if the smell is really, really strong, if the itch is really, really intense, or if the discharge is what we the superfluous, if it's so, so much, or if it's changing color than what you your color should be, which is usually like clear, white, or yellow. Those things are okay. But if it's like green or bloody or thick, then these are things you do want to seek a professional. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list and neither is the book, but it does have some pretty decent guidelines as opposed to knowing what's the difference between what's kind of basically normal or what might be abnormal that you want to go see your doctor. Is there any other um, important things that you think we should touch on when it comes to caring for your vulva? And I did, I kind of touched on this, but we don't have to cross our legs all the time. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that whole leg crossing thing goes way back into those prim times where women, you know, you can't leave anything. You have to leave something to be discovered. Like, no, she needs some air. Sit like a normal person. Sit however you're comfortable. Who gives a damn about what you might look like? Now, if you have on a tight ass skirt and there's, you know, there's only one way to sit, fine. I'm sure the skirt looks great on your behind, but when you're done, take all those things off and just, you know, just hang out. Um, and, oh, one, another thing that I totally forgot about, if you are feeling a little bit, just a little bit irritated, one thing that I've found to be pretty helpful, it's something you can just do at home without, you know, going to a doctor and just, you know, running into urgent care right away, it's what's called a zitz bath. It's um, from the German zitzen, meaning to sit, 
where you can either sit in just a tub of kind of not hot, hot water, but just warm water, just a couple of drops of peroxide. You don't want so much peroxide. Even the 3% peroxide in the grocery stores will kill everything. But just a few drops in water, it's more dilute. That, a little baking soda. These are all incredibly inexpensive things. And if you want to put an essential oil in there, just to kind of help you relax a little bit, those are really, really nice things for an otherwise just a little bit, a little bit tired vulva. She's a little irritated. She's not just not exactly super happy with that day that you just had today. You're a little pissed. That'll help out. So I'd love to know what is something that is orgasmic to you? Ooh. For me, water is orgasmic to me. The movement of water is orgasmic to me. Um, I am a, a shower sex kind of girl for some reason. I think that because it you know, makes my lover like uh, exercise a little bit and, mm-hmm. and the, I just enjoy the sensation of water because people forget that it's not just your clitoris and the G spot, which is part of the clitoris, by the way. It's not just that. It's your entire skin that's stimulated. So that's why I'm a. That's why water is orgasmic to me. Yeah, I love that. I haven't had that one yet, so that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I think water is just amazing in general for hydrating oh, I'm so the glad ocean. I came up with something new. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's not the ocean is oh that is that is wonderful. You do that around like two o'clock in the morning somewhere in Thailand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. And that one time in Switzerland in the Swiss bath where nobody else was around. Yeah. <laughs> now where can the shaggers find your content and your book? You can find my book. Um, we're on Amazon. Just Google This Is How You Vagina Amazon. Or if you can take it directly from my website, www.thisishowyouvagina.com, you can, you can click and purchase there. You can find me on Instagram. I am at Dr. Nicole Life, like my life, not, that's not my last name. And I'm on Instagram also on Facebook, excuse me, as uh, the Gynecology Institute of Chicago. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. I have learnt softs today too, which is awesome. Um, And I'm sure all the shaggers out there listening will have as well. All right, shaggers. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs)